Section 10 of Incidents of Travel in Central America, Chiapas, and Yucatan, Volume 2, by John Lloyd Steffens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Don Pepe escorted us, and crossing the plain of El Vieja, in the direction in which Alvarado entered it, we ascended a high hill, and, turning the summit through a narrow opening, looked down upon a beautiful plain, cultivated like a garden, which opened to the left as we advanced, and ran off to the lake of Duenos, between the two great volcanoes of fire and water. Descending to the plain, we entered the village of San Antonio, occupied entirely by Indians. The cura's house stood on an open plaza with a fine fountain in front, and the huts of the Indians were built with stalks of sugar cane. Early in the occupation of Guatemala, the lands around the capital were partitioned out among certain canonigos, and Indians were allotted to cultivate them. Each village was called by the canonigos' own name. A church was built and a fine house for himself, and by judicious management the Indians became settled and the artisans for the capital. In the stillness and quiet of the village, it seemed as if the mountains and volcanoes around had shielded it from the devastation and alarm of war. Passing through it, on the other side of the plain, we commenced ascending a mountain. About halfway up, looking back over the village and plain, we saw a single white line over the mountain we had crossed to the Ciudad Vieja, and the range of the eye embraced the plain and lake at our feet, the great plain of Esquintla, the two volcanoes of Agua and Fuego extending to the Pacific Ocean. The road was very steep, and our mules labored. On the other side of the mountain the road lay for some distance between shrubs and small trees, emerging from which we saw an immense plain, broken by the track of the direct road from Guatemala, and afar off the spires of the town of Chimaltenango. At the foot of the mountain we reached the village of Paramos. We had been three hours and a half making six miles. Don Pepe summoned the alcalde, showed him Carrera's passport, and demanded a guide to the next village. The alcalde called his alguacils, and in a very few minutes a guide was ready. Don Pepe told us that he left us in Europa, and with many thanks we bade him farewell. We were now entering upon a region of country which, at the time of the conquest, was the most populous, the most civilized, and best cultivated in Guatemala. The people who occupied it were the descendants of those found there by Alvarado, and perhaps four-fifths were Indians of untainted blood. For three centuries they had submitted quietly to the dominion of the whites, but the rising of Carrera had wakened them to a recollection of their fathers, and it was rumored that their eyes rolled strangely upon the white men as the enemies of their race. For the first time we saw fields of wheat and peach trees. The country was poetically called Europa, and though the volcano of Agua still reared in full sight its stupendous head, 
it resembled the finest part of england on a magnificent scale but it was not like travelling in england the young man with whose throat mr catherwood had been so familiar loitered behind with the sick mule and a gun he had started from ciudad vieja with a drawn knife in his hand the blade about a foot and a half long and we made up our minds to get rid of him but we feared that he had anticipated us and had gone off with the mule and gun we waited till he came up relieved him from the gun and made him go forward while we drove the mule at the distance of two leagues we reached the indian village of san andres isapa don saturnino flourished carrera's passport introduced me as el ministro de nueva york demanded a guide and in a few minutes an alguacil was trotting before us for the next village at this village on the same requisition the alcalde ran out to look for an alguacil but could not find one immediately and ventured to beg don saturnino to wait a moment don saturnino told him he must go himself carrera would cut off his head if he did not the minister of new york could not be kept waiting don saturnino like many others of my friends in that country had no very definite notions in regard to titles or places a man happened to be passing whom the alcalde pressed into service and he trotted on before with the halter of the led horse don saturnino hurried him along as we approached the next village carrera's soldiers were in sight returning on the direct road to guatemala fresh from the slaughter at quetzaltenango don saturnino told the guide that he must avoid the plaza and go on to the next village the guide begged and don saturnino rode up drew his sword and threatened to cut his head off the poor fellow trotted on with his eye fixed on the uplifted sword and when don saturnino turned to me with an uncle toby expression of face he threw down the halter leaped over a hedge fence and ran toward the town don saturnino not disconcerted caught up the halter and spurring his mule pushed on the road lay on a magnificent tableland in some places having trees on each side for a great distance beyond this we had a heavy rainstorm and late in the afternoon reached the brink of an immense precipice in which at a great distance we saw the molina or wheat mill looking like a new england factory the descent was very steep and muddy winding in places close along the precipitous side of the ravine great care was necessary with the mules their tendency was to descend sidewise which was very dangerous but in the steepest places by keeping their heads straight they would slip in the mud several paces bracing their feet and without falling at dark wet and muddy and in the midst of a heavy rain we reached the molina the major-domo was a costa rican a countryman of don saturnino and fortunately we had a room to ourselves though it was damp and chilly here we learned that tecpan guatemala one of the ruined cities we wished to visit was but three leagues distant 
and the major-domo offered to go with us in the morning chapter nine journey continued barrancas tecpan guatemala a noble church a sacred stone the ancient city description of the ruins a molina another earthquake patsum a ravine fortifications los altos godines losing a good friend magnificent scenery san antonio lake of atitan in the morning the major-domo furnished us with fine horses and we started early almost immediately we commenced ascending the other side of the ravine which we had descended the night before and on the top entered on a continuation of the same beautiful and extensive table-land on one side for some distance were high hedge fences in which aloes were growing and in one place were four in full bloom in an hour we arrived at patsum a large indian village here we turned off to the right from the high road to mexico by a sort of by-path but the country was beautiful and in parts well cultivated the morning was bracing and the climate like our own in october the immense tableland was elevated some five or six thousand feet but none of these heights have ever been taken we passed on the right two mounds such as are seen all over our own country and on the left an immense barranca the table was level to the very edge where the earth seemed to have broken off and sunk and we looked down into a frightful abyss two or three thousand feet deep gigantic trees at the bottom of the immense cavity looked like shrubs at some distance beyond we passed a second of these immense barrancas and in an hour and a half reached the indian village of tecpan guatemala for some distance before reaching it the road was shaded by trees and shrubs among which were aloes thirty feet high the long street by which we entered was paved with stones from the ruins of the old city and filled with drunken indians and rushing across it was one with his arms around a woman's neck at the head of this street was a fine plaza with a large cabildo and twenty or thirty indian alguaciles under the corridor with wands of office in their hands silent in full suits of blue cloth the trousers open at the knees and cloak with a hood like the arab burnous adjoining this was the large courtyard of the church paved with stone and the church itself was one of the most magnificent in the country it was the second built after the conquest the facade was two hundred feet very lofty with turrets and spires gorgeously ornamented with stuccoed figures and a high platform on which were indians the first we had seen in picturesque costume and with the widely extended view of the country around it was a scene of wild magnificence in nature and in art we stopped involuntarily and while the indians in mute astonishment gazed at us we were lost in surprise and admiration as usual don saturnino was the pioneer and we rode up to the house of the padre where we were shown into a small room 
with the window closed and a ray of light admitted from the door in which the padre was dozing in a large chair before he had fairly opened his eyes don saturnino told him that we had come to visit the ruins of the old city and wanted a guide and thrust into his hands carrera's passport and the letter of the provisor the padre was old fat rich and infirm had been thirty-five years cura of tecpan guatemala and was not used to doing things in a hurry but our friend knowing the particular objects of our visit with great earnestness and haste told the padre that the minister of new york had heard in his country of a remarkable stone and the provisor and carrera were anxious for him to see it the padre said that it was in the church and lay on the top of the grand altar the cup of the sacrament stood upon it it was covered up and very sacred he had never seen it and he was evidently unwilling to let us see it but said he would endeavor to do so when we returned from the ruins he sent for a guide and we went out to the courtyard of the church and while mr catherwood was attempting a sketch i walked up the steps the interior was lofty spacious richly ornamented with stuccoed figures and paintings dark and solemn and in the distance was the grand altar with long wax candles burning upon it and indians kneeling before it at the door a man stopped me and said that i must not enter with sword and spurs and even that i must take off my boots i would have done so but saw that the indians did not like a stranger going into their church they were evidently entirely unaccustomed to the sight of strangers and mr catherwood was so annoyed by their gathering round him that he gave up his drawing and fearing it would be worse on our return i told don saturnino that we must make an effort to see the stone now don saturnino had a great respect for the priests and the church he was not a fanatic but he thought a powerful religious influence good for the indians nevertheless he said we ought to see it and we went back in a body to the padre and don saturnino told him that we were anxious to see the stone now to prevent delay on our return the good padre's heavy body was troubled he asked for the provisor's letter again read it over went out on the corridor and consulted with a brother about as old and round as himself and at length told us to wait in that room and he would bring it as he went out he ordered all the indians in the courtyard about forty or fifty to go to the cabildo and tell the alcalde to send a guide in a few minutes he returned and opening with some trepidation the folds of his large gown produced the stone fuentes in speaking of the old city says to the westward of the city there is a little mount that commands it on which stands a small round building about six feet in height in the middle of which there is a pedestal formed of a shining substance resembling glass but the precise quality of which has not been ascertained seated around this building the judges heard and decided the causes brought before them and their sentences were executed upon the spot previous to executing them however 
it was necessary to have them confirmed by the oracle for which purpose three of the judges left their seats and proceeded to a deep ravine where there was a place of worship containing a black transparent stone on the surface of which the deity was supposed to indicate the fate of the criminal if the decision was approved the sentence was executed immediately if nothing appeared on the stone the accused was set at liberty the oracle was also consulted in the affairs of war the bishop francisco marroquin having obtained intelligence of this slab ordered it to be cut square and consecrated it for the top of the grand altar in the church of tecpan guatemala it is a stone of singular beauty about a yard and a half each way End of quote. the modern traveller refers to it as an interesting specimen of ancient art and in eighteen twenty five concludes we may hope before long to receive some more distinct account of this oracular stone the world meaning thereby the two classes into which an author once divided it of subscribers and non-subscribers to his work the world that reads these pages is indebted to don saturnino for some additional information the stone was sewed up in a piece of cotton cloth drawn tight which looked certainly as old as the thirty-five years it had been under the cura's charge and probably was the same covering in which it was enveloped when first laid on the top of the altar one or two stitches were cut in the middle and this was perhaps all we should have seen but don saturnino with a hurried jargon of strange curious sacred incomprehensible the professor's letter minister of new york etc whipped out his penknife and the good old padre heavy with agitation and his own weight sunk into his chair still holding on with both hands don saturnino ripped till he almost cut the good old man's fingers slipped out the sacred tablet and left the sack in the padre's hands the padre sat a picture of self-abandonment helplessness distress and self-reproach we moved toward the light and don saturnino with a twinkle of his eyes and a ludicrous earnestness consummated the padre's fear and horror by scratching the sacred stone with his knife this oracular slab is a piece of common slate fourteen inches by ten and about as thick as those used by boys at school without characters of any kind upon it with a strong predilection for the marvellous and scratching it most irreverently we could make nothing more out of it don saturnino handed it back to the padre and told him that he had better sew it up and put it back and probably it is now in its place on the top of the grand altar with the sacramental cup upon it an object of veneration to the fanatic indians but the agitation of the padre destroyed whatever there was of comic in the scene recovering from the shock he told us not to go back through the town that there was a road direct to the old city and concealing the tablet under his gown he walked out with a firm step 
and in a strong unbroken voice rapidly in their own unintelligible dialect called to the indians to bring up our horses and directed the guide to put us in the road which led direct to the molina he feared that the indians might discover our sacrilegious act and as we looked in their stupid faces we were well satisfied to get away before any such discovery was made rejoicing more than the padre that we could get back to the molina without returning through the town we had but to mount and ride at the distance of a mile and a half we reached the bank of an immense ravine we descended it don saturnino leading the way and at the foot on the other side he stopped at a narrow passage barely wide enough for the mule to pass this was the entrance to the old city it was a winding passage cut in the side of the ravine twenty or thirty feet deep and not wide enough for two horsemen to ride abreast and this continued to the high table of land on which stood the ancient city of patinamit this city flourished with the once powerful kingdom of the kachikel indians its name in their language means the city it was also called tecpan guatemala which according to vasquez means the royal house of guatemala and he infers that it was the capital of the kachikel kings but fuentes supposes that tecpan guatemala was the arsenal of the kingdom and not the royal residence which honor belonged to guatemala and that the former was so called from its situation on an eminence with respect to the latter the word tecpan meaning above according to fuentes patinamit was seated on an eminence and surrounded by a deep defile or natural fosse the perpendicular height of which from the level of the city was more than one hundred fathoms the only entrance was by a narrow causeway terminated by two gates constructed of the chai stone one on the exterior and the other on the interior wall of the city the plain of this eminence extends about three miles in length from north to south and about two in breadth from east to west the soil is covered with a stiff clay about three-quarters of a yard deep on one side of the area are the remains of a magnificent building perfectly square each side measuring one hundred paces constructed of hewn stones extremely well put together in front of the building is a large square on one side of which stand the ruins of a sumptuous palace and near to it are the foundations of several houses a trench three yards deep runs from north to south through the city having a breastwork of masonry rising about a yard high on the eastern side of this trench stood the houses of the nobles and on the opposite side the houses of the masiguales or commoners the streets were as may still be seen straight and spacious crossing each other at right angles when we rose upon the table for some distance it bore no marks of ever having been a city very soon we came upon an indian burning down trees and preparing a piece of ground for planting corn don saturnino asked him to go with us and show us the ruins but he refused soon after we reached a hut 
outside of which a woman was washing. We asked her to accompany us, but she ran into the hut. Beyond this we reached a wall of stones, but broken and confused. We tied our horses in the shade of trees and commenced exploring on foot. The ground was covered with mounds of ruins. In one place we saw the foundations of two houses, one of them about a hundred feet long by fifty feet broad. It was one hundred and forty years since Fuentes published the account of his visit. During that time the Indians had carried away on their backs stones to build up the modern village of Tecpan, Guatemala, and the hand of ruin had been busily at work. We inquired particularly for sculptured figures. Our guide knew of two, and after considerable search brought us to them. They were lying on the ground, about three feet long, so worn that we could not make them out, though on one the eyes and nose of an animal were distinguishable. The position commanded an almost boundless view, and it is surrounded by an immense ravine, which warrants the description given of it by Fuentes. In some places it was frightful to look down into its depths. On every side it was inaccessible, and the only way of reaching it was by the narrow passage through which we entered, its desolation and ruin adding another page to the burdened record of human contentions, and proving that, as in the world whose history we know, so in this of whose history we are ignorant, man's hand has been against his fellow. The solitary Indian hut is all that now occupies the site of the ancient city, but on Good Friday of every year a solemn procession of the whole Indian population is made to it from the village of Tecpan, Guatemala, and, as our guide told us, on that day bells are heard sounding under the earth. Descending by the same narrow passage, we traversed the ravine and ascended on the other side. Our guide put us on the road that avoided the town, and we set off on a gallop. Don Saturnino possessed the extremes of good temper, simplicity, uprightness, intelligence, and perseverance. Ever since I fell in with him he had been most useful, but on this day he surpassed himself, and he was so well satisfied with us as to declare that if it were not for his wife in Costa Rica, he would bear us company to Palenque. He had an engagement in Guatemala on a particular day. Every day that he lost with us was so much deducted from his visit to his relatives, and at his earnest request we had consented to pass a day with them, though a little out of our road. We reached the Molina in time to walk over the mill, on the side of the hill above was a large building to receive grain, and below it an immense reservoir for water in the dry season, but which did not answer the purpose intended. The mill had seven sets of grindstones, and working night and day, ground from seventy to ninety neguses of wheat in the twenty-four hours, each negus being six arobas of twenty-five pounds. The Indians bring the wheat, and each one takes a stone and does his own grinding, paying a real, twelve and a half cents per negus, for the use of the mill. 
flour is worth about from three dollars and a half to four dollars the barrel don saturnino was one of the best men that ever lived but in undress there was a lankness about him that was ludicrous in the evening as he sat on the bed with his thin arms wound around his thin legs and we reproved him for his sacrilegious act in cutting open the cotton cloth his little eyes twinkled and mr c and i laughed as we had not before laughed in central america but in that country one extreme followed close upon another at midnight we were roused from sleep by that movement which once felt can never be mistaken the building rocked our men in the corridor cried out temblor and mr c and i at the same moment exclaimed an earthquake our carterets stood transversely by the undulating movement of the earth he was rolled from side to side and i from head to foot the sinking of my head induced an awful faintness of heart i sprang upon my feet and rushed to the door in a moment the earth was still we sat on the sides of the bed compared movements and sensations lay down again and slept till morning early in the morning we resumed our journey unfortunately the gray mule was no better perhaps she would recover in a few days but we had no time to wait my first mule too purchased at the price of seeing don clementino's sister which had been a most faithful animal was drooping don saturnino offered me his own a strong hardy animal in exchange for the latter and the former i left behind to be sent back and turned out on the pasture-grounds of padre alcantra there were few trials greater in that country than that of being obliged to leave on the road these tried and faithful companions to patsum our road was the same as the day before before reaching it we had difficulty with the luggage and left at a hut on the road our only carteret leaving patsum on the left our road lay on the high level table of land and at ten o'clock we came to the brink of a ravine three thousand feet deep saw an immense abyss at our feet and opposite the high precipitous wall of the ravine our road lay across it at the very commencement the descent was steep as we advanced the path wound fearfully along the edge of the precipice and we met a caravan of mules at a narrow place where there was no room to turn out and we were obliged to go back taking care to give them the outside all the way down we were meeting them perhaps more than five hundred passed us loaded with wheat for the mills and cloths for guatemala in meeting so many mules loaded with merchandise we lost the vague and indefinite apprehensions with which we had set out on the road we were kept back by them more than half an hour and with great labor reached the bottom of the ravine a stream ran through it for some distance our road lay in the stream and we crossed it thirty or forty times the sides of the ravine were of an immense height in one place we rode along a perpendicular wall of limestone rock smoking with spontaneous combustion at twelve o'clock we commenced ascending the opposite side 
About halfway up we met another caravan of mules, with heavy boxes on their sides, tumbling down the steep descent. They came upon us so suddenly that our cargo mules got entangled among them, turned around, and were hurried down the mountain. Our men got them disengaged, and we drew up against the side. As we ascended toward the summit, far above us were rude fortifications, commanding the road up which we were toiling. This was the frontier post of Los Altos, and the position taken by General Guzman to repel the invasion of Carrera. It seemed certain death for any body of men to advance against it, but Carrera sent a detachment of Indians who clambered up the ravine at another place and attacked it in the rear. The fortifications were pulled down and burned, the boundary lines demolished, and Los Altos annexed to Guatemala. Here we met an Indian who confirmed what the muleteers had told us, that the road to Santiago Atitan, the place of residence of Don Saturnino's relatives, was five leagues and exceedingly bad, and in order to save our luggage mules we resolved to leave them at the village of Godines about a mile further on. The village consisted of but three or four huts, entirely desolate. There was not a person in sight. We were afraid to trust our mozos alone. They might be robbed, or they might rob us themselves. Besides, they had nothing to eat. We were about at the head of the lake of Atitan. It was impossible with the cargo mules to reach Santiago Atitan that day. It lay on the left border of the lake. Our road was on the right, and it was agreed for Don Saturnino to go on alone, and for us to continue on our direct road to Panachael, a village on the right border opposite Atitan, and cross the lake to pay our visit to him. We were advised that there were canoes for this purpose, and bade farewell to Don Saturnino with the confident expectation of seeing him again the next day at the house of his relatives. But we never met again. End of section 10